0: Welcome everybody back to the continuation of Spider-Man week, delayed Spider-Man week, whatever I'm calling this. We're starting, we we finished the Raimi trilogy, we're moving on to The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, starting now with the first film, The Amazing Spider-Man. I'm really, really excited to get into this episode. If you would like to win a digital copy of Spider-Man Homecoming, stick around after two cents when I'll give you the details of it. Let's get started with the first segment here, two cents, which is completely spoiler free and happens pretty quickly. Immediate thoughts about this film. One, it is not as bad as people give it a rap to be. If this wasn't a reboot, if it wasn't so close, closely after the time of the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, this would be like the defining version of Spider-Man. There's a lot of things about this particular version of Spider-Man that works extremely well. Andrew Garfield, for example, gives an incredible performance and is really endearing and convincing as Peter Parker. His relationship with Gwen Stacy, played by Emma Stone, they are fantastic together. Their chemistry on screen is phenomenal, and their relationship around that chemistry is legitimate and believable and works really well in the favor of the story. The action is a significant improvement, And, and I don't want this entire review to be a comparison to Sam Raimi, but I feel like that's all this film gets is it? it's not very frequently taken on its own because of how quickly it followed up Spider-Man 3, which is a bummer. But in comparing, there's a lot of things that I like better, particularly in this film's uh, increased use of physical stunts, uh, of practical effects, stunt work. It's done exceptionally well. The fight scene is an improvement. Yes, there are a lot of weaknesses, and it's not just that the film was uh, quickly released after Spider-Man 3. There's a lot of just things in the nature of the film that do not work. But by and large, the film was a lot of fun. This this is one of those Spider-Man films that I know I would revisit without a doubt. Now, I'm not going to go out and watch it again immediately, but in the longer term, I definitely would see this again without a doubt. This is up there among the better of the Spider-Man films, honestly, both objectively and subjectively. I think there's a lot of craft in this film that shows, particularly Mark Webb. I feel like he crafts a relationship between Gwen and Andrew that really works. Crafts uh, relationship between Ben and Peter. I said Gwen and Andrew when I meant Gwen and Peter. Uh, ben and Aunt May and Peter, and how that relationship is really different. And it dives a lot into the flaws within these individuals really well. And it, it works to this film's credit. Now, there's a lot of things like a weak villain, you know, the lizard. He, he feels like, in a lot of ways, a rehash of Goblin, just slightly tweaked. And because of that, he, he feels extremely weak. But even with that, he, he's a very, very weak villain. Uh, there's a lot of things that are extremely predictable. A lot of things that we didn't need to see again and are just rehashed. We didn't need to see Ben Parker shot again. We, we, we don't need that. Um, there's a lot of things in this film that it just, it just didn't need. It, it should have understood its place metatextually and adapted and it didn't. And I think that that is the biggest reason that it doesn't succeed is that it, I mean, the, the the claim, uh, the blurb for this movie is like the untold story of Peter Parker. What, what was untold in the Raimi trilogy? What about this film is new? Um, web shooters instead of organic webs. I don't know. Like that's it. There's not much here that's new and they, they should understand that. So, that's all guys. there for two cents. Like I said, it's a short segment, but then it gives me a chance to briefly talk about how you could win a digital copy of Spider-Man Homecoming. If you're not into that, I also have a bunch of screen passes that I'll give away. I have three every month. I'm going to be trying to give those to out to anybody who enters this drawing. So it's a drawing that's going to happen at the end of Spider-Man week here. So right at the start of the year, I think it's January 2nd, if I remember right. How do you enter? Well, there's two ways. You can leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basement binge linked below, or just go to podchaser.com and search for the basement binge, leave a review. You can leave a review on either the show as a whole, the basement binge, or on individual episodes. Those reviews help more than you will ever know. It's really, really brief. The reason I recommend podchaser, it's fantastic. It's like the IMDB of podcasting. Also, it allows me to reply to your reviews and just see them in one complete place. The second way is also review, but through Spotify, if you listen through Spotify, they just add a review feature that is extremely helpful. Additionally, if you're listening on Apple podcasts, a review on there will always count. But those are kind of the main three because those are the most important ones, PodChaser, Podchaser, Apple podcasts and Spotify. So if you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify, leave me a quick review. It is super helpful, uh, definitely five stars, but you can leave any honest review. I would appreciate a five-star review, though. Uh, Just jokes aside, if you're not not on one of those sites, podchaser.com is another great place. But like I said, at the end of this, drawing for Spider-Man Homecoming, a digital copy of that for you to own. Let's move on to the next segment here of this very quick episode, Live Up. This is where I talk about my expectations for the film, and if it was able to live up to them, that's why it has a great name. So what were my expectations? Um, My expectations were... Uh, pretty limited to just take the film for what it was i didn't want to expect or to find too much of this film to just be able to take it at face value without trying to force it to be something that it's not and it, it my watch order was really mixed up because i was recording episodes with matt goes to the movies and whatever so i had watched spider-man one with toby mcguire and then the next day immediately watched this and so there was a strong contrast it was impossible not to compare but I, j- I just wanted I, w- I wanted to give Andrew Garfield, I wanted to give Mark Webb a chance to just, what, it, what is your story you're going to tell with Spider-Man? And can I appreciate that? To just put Sam Raimi aside for a minute, to put Toby aside for a minute and just let you be you. By and large, the film works in that relationship, in the portrayal of Andrew. Uh, some key things that I really, really like is that it dives a lot into the uniqueness of Peter, not just that Uncle Ben died, like, yes, we got that. And it was a rehash that we definitely didn't need. But the parts that are new, the untold story, I guess you could say is how it gets into his parents and not so much what happens to his parents. I'm not interested into the lore of that. More so how losing your parents as a child would affect you. Mark Webb in an interview described it as the missing piece within us all. Peter has no parents and he fills that void with Spider-Man. He's an orphan. What does that do to him as a human feeling like he's left behind by his parents? Where does that, where does this personality that is Peter Parker come from? These quicks, this, as Mark Webb put it, this punk rock attitude, where does it come from? And a lot of that comes from the, the trial of being left behind by your parents. And that's, that's exceptionally well done, especially in his relationship with May. I forget the actress's name, whoever plays May. I'm not going to pull it up here because it will take too long. But uh, she hated it. She hated production. She said the only good part was working with Andrew Garfield. Other than that, she hated production. You can kind of tell. But what does work is that you can tell she genuinely loves Peter. She loves him without a doubt. But this is a really, really interesting relationship. May and Ben Parker didn't ask for a son, and they essentially got one because Ben's brother left. Like, like, that is a really, really tough in- situation to just be, have this child thrust into your life all of a sudden that you weren't really looking for. Now, of course, you would love them and you would accept them and you would care for them, but nobody really asked for that. And that makes a unique relationship. There's a little bit of animosity towards the situation, towards this individual, and also a ton of love. And that relationship is done really, really well. And I like that. A completely different feeling from the Aunt May of the Sam Raimi trilogy. The other thing that works exceptionally well is the relationship between Peter and Gwen. Their chemistry is unlike anything MJ and Peter had before in that it feels a lot more organic. Uh, She's not a damsel in distress anymore. Gwen is the one who comes up to Peter. Gwen is the one who talks to him. Peter is a bumbling idiot. He can't even get three words out, but they make it work and and their funness together, their lighthearted nature together is, is what really, really works in the relationship and how that drives Peter in new ways. It's great, those human natures. Another great scene to point this out is when Peter or Spider-Man saves Jack on the bridge when the lizard first terrorizes the city and those cars and he are flying off and he catches them with his webs and Jack is in that van that's on fire. That is a fantastic scene. It's so well done and he tells Jack to put on the mask. He says, it will make you strong that's a really great scene. It's about the power of Spider-Man, the human part of Spider-Man, the kid part of Spider-Man, but the empowering part of Spider-Man. And and so those scenes are really, really well done. Of course, like I mentioned in Two Cents, the stunt work, this is an entirely new look to Spider-Man, the way he fights, the way he swings, he actually moves around like a spider. The stunt uh, individuals, I forget their name, they were on a Uh, Stuntman React episode with Quarter Crew, where they talked about how they kind of pioneered this movement. How they were swinging around on wires. They built this giant rig with cars, so they could drive over cars in the streets and and, and physically swing. And you can tell it it really sells Peter swinging and adds a new level of characterization to that part of him. Uh, Even the way he he crawls around the lizard in this one fight scene in the hallway of of the high school. He looks like a spider crawling on an object. It's completely different than anything we saw before. The fight scenes in this film are really, really well done. The physical stunt work, uh, the practical effects, uh, Andrew's physicality and the new suit. I love the look of this suit. It feels very, very real. Now, how did he get it? I don't really know, but it's a sweet suit uh, and it works. So those parts I really, really like about the film. Of course, Emma Stone, she's fantastic. Love her as well. Now, the film has its problems. Again, to take it completely on its own, from Sam Raimi, it has his problems in the way that Lizard is a really weak villain. Out of nowhere, he goes from being a mentor to someone who's just a psychopath. Like, I can understand trying to replace your arm. To finish that quote I shared earlier from Mark Webb, he says, Kurt is not as strong as Spider-Man on the inside, but he wants to get back his arm to fill that void, and essentially he becomes a big bully. So just like Peter, he's looking to fill his void, and he fills it with the Lizard and becomes a bully. And, and that part I get you know be just being a bully but but then wanting to turn the entire world or city into lizards is very weird uh comes out of nowhere it feels like they kind of took a note what they did with green goblin they have like this voice this scene where he's, there's like this voice in his head suddenly like a lizard voice with that skin behind his ear i, I don't know it, it's really really cheap that hey we need our bad guy to do something bad so we can have a climax uh let's just have this voice in his head that tells him he needs to do something ridiculous and it it really really does not work of course, the other way we all know is, is that as much as you want to separate it from this, metatextually, Ben Parker did not need to die. We did not need to see it in this film. Take that away, even take that meta-level away, and it still just doesn't work. It it's just It lacks that punch that it had before. And I think it's because they they knew what to come before. And they they. I mean, there's a scene where. Ben kind of dances around the with great power comes great responsibility and like almost like he had said it but he's not going to say those exact words it just doesn't work it, you don't have to say those exact words but trying to dance around what came before and respect it is a great thing but in this film it's a fault because it takes away the power of your own scene and so there's just a lot of of that that just weighs the film down a lot um I want to sing praises to this film because I feel like people forget about the good things about this film and how this film really changed Spider-Man physically and their portrayal of the action and the swinging. And as the high schoolness of him, this film gets all of those really, really well. So did it live up to my expectations? Yeah, kind of. It, it's a mixed bag. There's parts of it that really, really don't work at all and drag down the film a lot and bring it to really low lows. There's other parts of the films that are great. It doesn't really have the high highs, so it ends just kind of being eh. But those moments of work, they work well. That brings us very quickly to the last segment of these short Spider-Man week shows. Least and likes. My least favorite scene and my favorite scene. My least favorite scene, without a doubt, I kind of mentioned it earlier, is that scene in the sewers where Dr. Connors is turning and suddenly being motivated to turn the whole city into lizards. The voice in his head, it, it, it really doesn't work at all. It feels very weak on an individual, personal, you know, character motivation, bad or good. It just, it just doesn't work at all in the film. And it just, it it feels very, very forced. The other thing that comes close is Peter not even being able to keep his word through the end of the film to Captain Stacy to stay away from Gwen. It just, it ruins what could have otherwise been a great scene in a superhero film in new areas where there's consequences. And the hero actually chooses something hard uh, instead of just being stupid. Yes. Uh, it's Gwen Stacy. We were going to go in that direction, but I wish we wouldn't have gone this way. We we could get to the same destination and take a different route, but alas, I wasn't in charge of the writing. Okay. So what did I like? What's my favorite scene? There, there's a few that I could point out. Um, the biggest one, the, all the swinging scenes are fantastic. The new camera angles, the the very visceral feel of it. And the, the culmination of that to me is that crane scene Uh, You know, Spider-Man believing in himself and seeing the people around him helping and him webbing up his leg and running and swinging, it it works really, really well for me. The music is exceptional and it captures the great physicality and and stunt work and production, you know, digitally or or practical in the swinging of Spider-Man in a lot of really, really fun ways and, and brings the fun of it to a moment that means something for the hero. And it's a scene that works really well and that's my favorite scene. So obviously what I have to say about this film is pretty brief. And I think that that is kind of a perfect encapsulation of the film is that, yeah, there's some, a few things to say about it. Parts that don't work parts that do work. Okay, let's move on. And then that's really what it feels like. It feels like that historically and what happened in pop culture and also just the the way the film works. It, it, it is very forgettable. It's very quickly to move on from, but there are those good moments of it that, Without a doubt, the best part is Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. To me, Andrew Garfield is quickly becoming my favorite version of Spider-Man. He plays him in a way that's really different from the others. Of course, each one of them played their version of Spider-Man very uniquely. But there's something about Andrew Garfield that his performance just grabs me in different ways than the others ever could. And I I love Andrew Garfield for that. So that's an Amazing Spider-Man 1. We're going to be moving on to the Amazing Spider-Man 2 tomorrow. I've never seen that film. Let's see if it is actually a dumpster fire Either way, I'm excited. Thanks for joining me here back again for Spider-Man week, even though it was delayed. Once again, this is The Basement Binge. My name is Harrison, and that's all for now. Ciao, ciao.